Morning, everybody. I hope you're all well. So, we're continuing our series of uh, looking at ways in which we can glorify God in our everyday lives. And today, as Philip has masterfully uh, weaved into the service so far, we're looking at a mouthpiece for truth and justice. How we can do that, how we can be a mouthpiece for truth and justice in the world around us. And I know we got some visitors with us today, so very quickly, let me recap, and it's good to recap anyway, and explain what I just said there. Christians, us, we want to glorify God. It's a command of Jesus. He says in Matthew, he says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So we must aim to glorify God, which means we want to point people, whether by our words or by how we live, to God. We want them to, to hear about or see a life that has been affected by who he is, by his goodness, by his power, his grace, any and all of his characteristics. And we do that because we're his followers and our lives should reflect evidence of him in it. Right? So, our series of services here for the last, is it six weeks, seven weeks, six, seven weeks, um, has looked at the different ways that we can glorify God. And so far, we've looked at how we can glorify God by modeling good character, making good work, ministering grace and love, molding the culture around us, and today we're going to look at being a mouthpiece for truth and justice. In other words, how the kind of person... All that, sorry, is is saying the kind of person you are is important because God is glorified through that. The work that you do is important because he's glorified through that. Any opportunity you take to be gracious and loving to people is also important because God is glorified through that. Any ways in which you change the culture around you for the better is important because God is glorified through that, which is where we come to today. And we're going to think about this idea at any point where you or I stand up for what is true and against injustice, there and then we're glorifying God. I think um, I should start with a good definition of this justice business, which is harder to come across than you'd think. But um, I found one. Mika chapter 6, verse 8 says, uh, it's a well-known verse, it says, What does the Lord require, require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. So just living is clearly a very important thing to God. And this is seen not just here, but in all the Old Testament law and in the New Testament commands as well. But what is it? What's just living? Well, I'll put you like this, right? In every area of our life, our families, jobs, possessions, uh, leisure, how we present ourselves, how we communicate, our friendships, absolutely everything, we must recognize that we live in a community. And therefore, we must give consideration of the claims that community living place upon us. In all of these areas of life, we must be willing to disadvantage ourselves so as to advantage others. We must be willing to disadvantage ourselves so as to advantage others. Justice means giving people their due because not everyone gets it. So to fight for justice is to fight for fairness in every area of life. Now look, 
Don't push me on this, right, please. I mean, you can if you want. It's all right. Um, I'm not a politician. I realize there's many debates that could be had on what qualifies as fair. The bottom line is that a person acts justly when they fulfill all the obligations that's put upon them by the relationships they're in. And we all live in this big, huge community called the world. There's never been a society that's uh, fulfilled this, at least since the Garden of Eden, and there won't be one till heaven comes down out of the sky. But that is the aim. The good news is that uh, I'm not going to be attempting to figure out all of that today, and I'm going to leave that to you, or at least I'm going to leave it to you for, for now. I'm sure I'll speak about it some other time. Instead, today, I'm going to speak on standing up against lies and injustice. And the point I'm trying to make is, I suppose, that I'm assuming that you know a lie when you hear it, and you know injustice when you see it. The question is, when you see it or when you hear it, will you speak up? And I want to start today with three stories. Christoph has been ending his sermons with lots of little ones, but I'm going to reverse that and start off with some stories instead, which I think will help uh, break into this topic. Years ago, I had a job in Dublin where over half of the staff were not Irish. And one of my colleagues was a man who would occasionally say, uh, racist things about the people that I worked with. He wasn't racist to their face, you know, he wasn't that brave. But, and he didn't really treat them differently from what I could tell. But behind their back, he'd be very sneering about uh, certain nationalities. Anyway, there was one week, right, where I got to talking to him about World War II, of all things, and he said something positive about Hitler. And I was, you know, I was kind of gone and over before I even realized it, and I didn't say anything to him. And uh, I was kicking myself, you know, I stayed silent when I should have said something. But a few days later, right, I was having another conversation with him, and I had the feeling that the way the conversation was going, that he was going to come out with something that I should stand up against. And sure enough, uh, didn't he say something racist about Africans? And look, you know, I'm not, I don't know what you think of me, but I'm not a a combative person, you know. I I like to be liked, even by racists. So... (laughs) I wasn't exactly loving this moment, you know, when it did come. But as nervous as I was, I stopped him and I said, listen, man, I can't agree with that. That's, that's racist. And, he, you know, he brushed it off. But I had said it. And that was the right thing to do. Now, I suppose a better man would have tried to convince him of his self-righteousness, show him the damage of his words, but that wasn't me then. And I, I don't know if I have the courage or the wherewithal to be able to do it. No. But I did say something. That time I didn't let it slide. Would you? Would you risk looking like one of those people who make a big deal out of things? Well, whatever you do, or wouldn't. That story is a small personal example of standing up for what's right. But let me tell you a little bigger one than that. Because it's one thing to say something. It's another thing to back up you say with some action. My second story is this. I got this friend, uh, her name's June, and when she was in the last year of her secondary school, she was a prefect. Do you have this word, prefect? It's like a class captain, yeah? Represents the, the students and teachers, helps with running the school. Anyway, this friend of mine was one of eight prefects in the school, and one of these prefects got fired from her position. And I, I don't know what it was for, but the consensus among the students, and certainly among the other prefects, and especially so in the mind of my friend, was that 
the removal of this young girl from her position was completely unfair and unjust. So my friend went back into school the next day and started to complain, but none of the teachers did anything. This went on for two weeks, and eventually, out of frustration with inaction, my friend organized the other prefects into a strike. The school could go on with their business, but with no help from the prefects. And at first, the school did nothing, and they said nothing. They just accepted it. You know, they tried to call her bluff. Uh, and I suppose, I suppose they tried to call her bluff, but eventually, they got annoyed, and then they got angry, and then the principal called a meeting, and they called him in one by one, and my friend went in last. And he was very angry, demanded that it stop, but she wouldn't budge. And eventually they hammered out a compromise. No, it's not a very exciting ending, right? But it's a bigger example, certainly. It's a lot braver than my attempt, because she didn't just say something. She created a fuss until, it was, until there was change. And what she did had a lot more effect. It was more public. The stakes were a lot higher. Could you do something like that? My last story then, right, is the one that we've read today in God's words. I want you to picture the scene of what we've read. Except this time, I want you to imagine that it's you, that it's not Nathan, that's going up against King David. You live in a country that's ruled by an absolute monarch. Monarch. What the king says happens, happens. If he wants you dead, he can make it so by simply asking for it. Not only that, but this particular king has killed a lot of people. He was a warrior before he was a king, and taking the life of a person was something that he has done like that many a time. Then, because you are a person who hears God speak to you, you hear God tell you something about your king that no one else knows. He tells you that your king had an affair with the wife of one of these key generals. And then because the lady got pregnant, he covered it up by having her husband sent to the front lines of the war that the Israelites were in at that moment, whereupon he was killed. And then God tells you that he wants you to go and challenge the king in public about all these things which he has gotten, gone to such great lengths to hide. Would you do that? Seriously, would you do it? Would you have done any of the three things? Now tell me this, right? When I asked you, would you do it? Did you even consider yourself? Because you know what happened when I started thinking about this is I found my mind kept going to this person or that person in the congregation. I was like, yeah, yeah, he'd be good for that, all right. Yeah. Oh, she'd tear the head off in that one, yeah, for sure. Straight into him. We do the same thing? Were you thinking of others doing this, but not yourself? I, I, I wasn't thinking of myself. Maybe you weren't. Maybe, maybe as I have been talking, you have had a rising tide of justified anger at all the evil and wrong that there is in the world, and you want to do something about that right now good but whether you think you can or you can't it doesn't matter because the reality is that opportunities to speak against lies and injustice will fall across all of our paths 
lies and injustice, these things can happen anywhere. And in fact, they tend to happen to some degree everywhere. It doesn't matter if you're at home with the kids or doing the accounts of a steel manufacturing company somewhere or you're retired and you're walking up and down Ballyhackamore or you're working in a creche. You will come across some lies and some injustice eventually. Not to mention the many evils that are found in the very fabric of our society, such as greed, racism, sexism, sectarianism, etc., etc. Big ones, small ones, individual ones, are ones that are a part of everyday life. There's plenty to speak against. We all got opportunities. Nathan was given a very specific job, and we don't have God telling us audibly like he did to Nathan, but we do have his word. And God tells us in there that he hates lies, he loves truth, he hates the exploitation of the poor, he loves justice, he hates evil, and he loves good. So to be a mouthpiece for truth and justice, it's not easy business for sure. And with my own little story, the absolute worst that could have happened, given the little that I did, was that the guy would just ignore me. But as with Nathan's story, the possible outcomes when we stand up for truth, they can be bad, they can, they can be rough. Now it ended up good for Nathan. King David took on board his message and he repented. But the Bible has a good few stories that illustrate the fact that sometimes things don't work out well for the person who stands up for truth. The prophet Elijah had to go into hiding for three years. Micaiah, another prophet, told King Ahab the truth. He was put in prison. Prophet Jeremiah, it was ignored, then mocked, then beaten, then left half dead at the bottom of a well. And in fact, Jeremiah was told from the outset that he was not going to be listened to. He didn't even have the luxury of hoping for a good outcome. Paul, Stephen, all got beaten. Stephen was murdered. And Jesus, of course, they put him up on a cross and he suffocated to death under the weight of his own body. Sometimes doing the right thing get you in a lot of trouble and we're all aware of this we know instinctively that with some people and in some places to even raise your voice against them will have them bring you a lot of trouble straight away however it's not always that bleak or dangerous it's not always you versus the giants in a battle for truth where the stakes are huge and if you lose you could lose everything that's actually probably not how most of us will find the opportunity to be a mouthpiece for truth and justice. Firstly, because we won't always be alone. In fact, in fact, the things that we speak up for, you will find that you have a lot of people agreeing with you. And secondly, it nearly always won't be such a potentially costly thing to do or say. It could be, it could be talking to the police about something that you've seen or something you know is going on in the community. It might involve being a whistleblower at work. Okay, they're potentially life-changing things. But it could just as well be involving talking to your neighbour or a colleague or a work, work member or, you know, at work or a family member about something that they're doing that they shouldn't be doing. You might have a fallen out over them, but you know, that's not going to last forever. And then it could be as simple as challenging your friends when they are running down someone else. There's a, a woman that I meet regularly at, at the school gate, actually. And uh, for real, it's actually at the school gate. And she's always complaining about our child's school. And our child is in the same one as, as, as hers. And I'm like, the school's great. You know, I, I haven't found what you're saying. Now, mind you, she doesn't listen to me, but 
I'm standing up for the truth, you know. If you do decide that there's something you must say or do, let's look again at this Nathan and David story. Because there are two things in here that are instructive and helpful. Firstly, God doesn't tell Nathan to go in there all gun blazing, you know. It's not like screaming your head off, David, you murdering dirty scumbag, how dare you presume to rule over us? You got blood on your hands and filth in the bed. Get off that throne and you dog and repent. No, he doesn't do that. Although he's pretty direct when David comes around. But in the first place, he wisely appeals to David's sense of injustice. He doesn't just see David as this big horrible sinner and nothing else. Instead he talks to him as a man who he knows is incensed by the exploitation of the poor. And by doing so, he gets him to listen. We've got to be, Jesus says, as wise as doves and as gentle as serpents. So I'm sure there will be times when we need to say it straight. We say it loud, but not always. So if you've got a strategy for getting people to hear you, use that. Play it to your strengths. Secondly, not only does he not just condemn him, but instead he seeks to restore David. This isn't just an exercise in pointing out the truth to him. It's an attempt to free David from his sins. I got a friend who was in a seminary uh, in the Republic the day that the Murphy Report was released. And uh, there was a lot of uh, priests who were trained there. And uh, the Murphy Report is uh, the main report that looked at the issue of sex abuse in the church in Ireland. And my friend overheard two priests talking to each other about the, the report, and one of them said to the other, it's a sad day for the church. And my friend was furious, because it wasn't a sad day for the church. It was a great day. Why was it a great day? It was a great day because any time that sin is revealed, and any time um, sin is revealed, repentance, restoration, and healing can begin. But if it isn't revealed, none of that will take place. The truth set David free. Now look, he, he paid a big price. But better to pay that price and stay in your sin. And so likewise, folks, our goal should be not to win arguments or to merely have truth revealed. It's a bigger goal of the well-being of others, even the people who are in the wrong. All for the glory of God. Now in some ways... I suppose our talk today is a little bit, I feel anyway, it's a little bit different from the other ones that we've done. In each sermon, uh, Christoph and I have hoped that we could you know, broaden your horizon and see new places where, where you either were already glorifying God in your lives. And some of the feedback that we've gotten in the last weeks has been very encouraging. One man was telling us how his, his whole life was totally changed now. And actually, it's, his life is kind of the same, but it's just free of a lot of guilt over his performance as a Christian. Because now he understands his life very different. Because he sees how God has been glorified through him in many ways that he didn't realize before. And likewise, I met some people from the congregation in our home group on Wednesday nights. And it was good to see people's eyes being opened up to seeing some of their lives in a new light. Anyway, my point is that um, over the weeks as we've talked about character, work and grace and love, molding culture, 
we've been more, mostly focusing on things in our lives which are already happening. Things which to some degree or another we had an interest in. And now our sermons, right, myself and Christoph included, did include some things that you could do in response. New things, right? But for the most part, it was about seeing what God was already doing in your life. Now that seems to be what people have connected with. But I want to say that more than likely for most of you, today's sermon is going to be a little bit different. Perhaps there are some of you who have heard these words this morning who feel that the different things that they've been doing in their life has suddenly been legitimized. Or maybe legitimized is too strong a word. And I've just reminded you that what you're doing is a good thing. And that's excellent if that's the case. But I feel, or I reckon, it probably won't be like that because most of us, we're not into conflict. Am I wrong? I don't think I'm wrong. It could be like that. And like I was saying earlier, when I was thinking about this sermon, other people kept coming into my head. Oh yeah, she'll do it, he'll do it. Not me. It's easier to think of others being the one who will say or do something that stands up for truth and justice. And I've also found in young people, um, where are you? Right there. I've also found in young people there's a tendency to think, well, I'll do that when I'm older. And similar tendency in old people to say, my days of doing that are gone. Now, for sure, your opportunities when you're young and when you're old are curtailed, yes. And I know uh, there are many reasons for that that are correct, physical incapabilities and so on. But as long as you have a voice or some means of communications, then the Spirit of God can and will use you. And I would say that, especially to those of you who are retired, that just because you're no longer doing the thing that defines you for most of your life, just because there are a lot of people around you now who know nothing of who you are or what you did, that does not mean that the Spirit can't use you now at this stage of your life for some slight or totally different area. The conditions have changed, but the Lord is the same powerful God that he always has been. And this is true for all of us. Granted, I don't know your circumstances. I don't know what obstacles are in your life. But if you can hear me this morning, you're qualified. God has things for you to say. You might not be leading a million-man march on the capital to eradicate racist patterns of living in their country, but there are still opportunities for you to speak up. Let me finish with a couple of little things. Because that, that's a bit heavy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. It calls for bravery. And there is one quality, that is one quality that often departs us just when we want it. Remember, remember my friend who stood up to the school? Well, there's one part of her story that I didn't tell you. You see, the first night, the first night, and the other prefect was fired. She went home in a rage. And her father asked her what's going on. And she told him. And he said to her, Whatever you do, I will back you completely. So, when the day came that the principal called her into the office, the very last thing the principal threw at her, threw at her was, does your father know what you're doing? If I were to call him right now, what do you think he'd say? And of course, she was able to say because she knew. 
I know exactly what my father would say. She said, because I've told him everything and he supports me 100%. You see where I'm going with this? We got a father in heaven who sent his only son to die for our sins. If he were willing to die for us, and he was, because of our sins, if he took sin that seriously that he was willing to be tortured and killed for them, then you can be absolutely sure of two things. He wants us to fight against sin wherever we find it, and he's got our back. He was willing to give up heaven to come down to earth and to go to the cross for you so you can be sure that he's going to walk that extra little mile with you to say what you need to say, to speak up against lies and injustice. And the last thing, I just thought of this this morning actually, is that I'm calling you today to speak up for people. Jesus is going to speak up for us. One day the books will be opened and be who's in the book of life and who's not and they'll come to our name and Jesus will say that man that woman is mine he spoke up for us he does it every day so we gotta do it for others in return that's it I, I, just, I have a small prayer Father every door we open go before us Every conversation we start, be in it. Give us bravery. Help us to overcome our fears. Help us to make this world a better place for your glory, whether to see now or when you come back. Amen.